Sag Harbor Schools Board of Education meeting, January 8, 2024. Assuming yeah, anyone online is doing it, it's just saying waiting for the host to start. And now it's connecting. Recording. Okay, there's no ones. Okay, so we just need to bring it back up. The presentation. Which is online and attached to the agenda, so everyone should have access to it. Hey, Ron, can you hear us now? Yep. Okay, okay great. Good. Thank you. Ron, while you were down, we um, we approved the consent agenda, but we stopped the Jennifer's report. Okay, so we're going to see it. Sorry, I have to click on the thing. You have to click on it? Should be good now, um, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So we were looking at our fund balance um, over time, and I was trying to explain it to everyone that uh, when you look at the first uh, row up on top, you'll see reserve for encumbrances. And um, when we ended the year for 22-23, we had $532,015 set aside for encumbrances. So that is money that is actually set aside already for expenditures from the prior year. Um, and then if you go down to the bottom and you look at appropriated fund balance, um, that number at the end of 22, 23 was $674,162. And that money is also earmarked for expenses for the current year budget. So out of our total fund balance, those are really the two line items of monies that are already spent or earmarked for expenditures outstanding. And then we have um, all of our reserves, which we're, we're going to go into detail, uh, beginning with our employee benefit accrued liability reserve all the way down to our repair reserve. But if you look way on the bottom, you'll see um, unassigned fund balance. And unassigned fund balance at the end of 2223 was $1,922,518. And this is really what everyone calls their emergency funds. Um, these funds are not restricted in any way, and um, they can be used during the year and appropriated during the year if something does happen. If something, um, if we do have a family who moves into the district who, you know, their students are very high needs. Um, I know a lot of the districts right now are dealing with providing services to migrants. So this would be the money that we would tap into if, if we did have a um, expenditures, um, an influx of, of, or any kind of increase in expenditures that was unplanned for. And there is legislation ongoing um, which is try which is always trying to increase that amount. The amount is limited to 4% of our next year's budget. And uh, that was put in place decades ago. And when you look at $1.9 million, it's really not a lot of money. And um, it doesn't really go far when uh, you look at some of the costs uh, that we spend today on, on everything related to utilities and services, tuition. So we ended 22-23, we had a really, really good year. And our surplus was higher than average. Um, and we ended the year with $3,145,690. Many of the factors leading to the surplus are reoccurring. Um, some of the factors are one shot. And we'll go into detail in the next slide and, uh, and talk about those. And the current year budget was also adjusted for many of these items too. So during the current year, we're not gonna see these kind of numbers moving forward. Um, so overall, our revenue collected was over budget and our expenditures were under budget. And you can see that I, this is just the reconciliation and showing you how the allocation, um, how positive budget variance was allocated, and then the net change of fund balance on the bottom. Um, this is all while we, we did go out with a tax levy increase that was under our tax levy limit. And, um, and it, going into the current year, facing inflation rates as high as 8%. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is the reconciliation of the budget variance. So now we're going to talk about um, what were the factors leading up to that. So the first item is tuition. Um, and the tuition, the increase in our non-resident tuition students is, is unbelievable. Uh, we actually increased the revenue budget in 22-23 by $500,000 to account for this increase. And we increased the current year budget by another $500,000 um, to account for this. So during 2020, um, 2021, we had 52 students uh, attending our schools, non-residents. 21-22, uh, we had 77 students. And this year, um, we ended up having, when I say this year, I mean 22-23, which led to almost a million dollars in budget variance, we had 92 students. So um, when we projected our revenue for 22-23, we really based it on students attending during 21-22. So when we were mid-year and we were planning the current year's budget, we knew that we had much more students attending. So that's why we increased the current year budget by 500,000. And we projected that we, we would have 92 students attending this year. And we actually um, have 91 students attending this year. So this year, we're definitely not going to see numbers like that, and we're not going to see a surplus like that. But we should end up a little bit on the plus side. Those, um, uh, sorry to interrupt, those include Sagaponic and Wayne Scott? Yeah, this is principally placed Sagaponic and Wayne Scott students, all three. Um, so yeah, we've just, from going just in three years from 52 students, you know, all the way to 92 students is, is unbelievable. Just out of curiosity, Jennifer, is the parentally placed group pretty consistent over say a three-year period or does that they've actually grown the most, grown the most. so we've had um this year alone our psychoponic numbers like right on the money our wayne scott number is a little bit lower uh than we projected but our parentally placed is i think we have almost um like 18 students more okay. um parentally placed uh we have um we also have interest so interest is very interesting because <laughs> During the 21-22 uh, school year, which is the year prior to this year, we collected $15,000 in interest uh, for the whole school year. And then when we finished 22-23, we actually collected $500,043 in interest. So even though we paid more interest on our tax anticipation note and our debt service for the year, we definitely ended up in the plus side and um, no one could have anticipated that we would collect this much interest. What? I don't understand the interest. That comes from what? Banks. So our money is in the bank and mm -hmm. we actually purchased CDs that year and we rolled over our CDs. This is and the we... surplus that you invested. No, this is our actual money that cash flow. Reserve. Or reserve. Okay. And that's more because interest rates are higher. Interest rates were very high starting 22-23. So they were very low, 21-22, 22-23, they were high. So now when we were planning the current year budget, 23-24, we saw that interest rates were high. So we were like already halfway through 22-23 and we saw that interest rates were high. We didn't think they were going to be this high. So we budgeted to get $100,000 this year in interest. So we're definitely going to end up with a surplus in the interest line again when we close out this year. But when we go into next year's, when we start talking about next year's budget and start talking about next year's revenue, which is at next month's meeting, we're going to increase that $100,000 line and we'll probably increase it to maybe $400,000. Mm -hmm. So then that'll bring in some additional revenue to offset some of our expenditures that are going up. Jen, um, is it safe to say that, or is it correct to say that those investments are are extremely conservative? Yes. Yeah. So it's not like we're looking to play the money to make money. And we're but, highly restricted. Mm -hmm. what we we are highly in. restricted in what we can put, you know, investments we can place our funds in. Um, we cannot invest in anything where we could lose principal. Yeah. And um, the state controller's office actually oversees that too. So, uh, yeah, so we anticipate that this year, we're definitely going to end the year with some extra interest uh, money and going into next year, we're hoping that that's going to be some, that's going to really help us offset some of the other increases that we're going to talk about, like health insurance. Um, so shared transportation services, we brought in an additional $138,874. And this was mainly due to those Bridgehampton school district routes that we do. Um, we actually do summer routes for them and we do a lot of their out of districts. Uh, routes. And these routes are really not guaranteed when we're um, planning our budget and we're in the budget development phase. So that's why we don't really account for that revenue. But going into 24-25, we might be able to just increase that slightly. Um, okay, now on the expenditure side, 
So we talked about the revenue side and how some of those things are reoccurring, how we have adjusted the current year's budget for part, partially for those revenues. But on the expenditure side, we had eight teachers retire. So this is really like a one-shot deal. Um, we've never really had that many teachers retire in one year. And uh, when you compare what the salaries of the teachers were when they that retired compared to the income and salaries of the new teachers, that resulted in a surplus of $587,949. So that's really, we don't consider that reoccurring. Um, the, the current year's budget is really based on all of the teachers that were here last year working right into the current year. And as I said, we really don't, didn't have as many uh, retirements going into the current year. Um, sal other salaries, so all the other salary lines, um, including COVID contingency. So when we were planning the 22-23 budget, we were really like in January of 22, where COVID was still very prevalent and we were still even having online meetings. Um, so we did include a COVID contingency in the budget, just in case we had to go back to, um, uh, we had to go back and hire a whole slew of teachers for social distancing and everything else. Um, but the current year budget, we actually reduced all the COVID contingency out of the current year budget. So you'll see that a lot of this surplus was generated from salaries and all of those salary savings were actually incorporated already into the current year budget. Because if you remember, the current year budget for salaries overall only increased by 0.76%. So our salary budget from last year to this year increased by less than 1%. And I did have union presidents contacting me and saying, but Jennifer, I don't understand if everyone's getting, you know, a step in salary increase, how is the budget for salaries only increasing by 1% less than 1%? I had to explain to them because we took out all the retirees, we took out all the COVID contingency. Um, if you look down at the bottom here, we, we're at the pre-K grant. When we planned the 22-23 budget, that was the first year that we were promised to get pre-K grant monies to offset our pre-K costs. But at the time of budget development, the grant was not guaranteed because we have we did not go through the grant application process. We didn't know whether or not our pre-K program even um, fell under all the requirements. So now we've gone through the process. We got our pre-K grant money. So for the current year, 22-23, that those salaries went down. We never actually even included um, all the pre-K teacher salaries in our current year budget uh, because we knew that we were guaranteed to get the grant for this year. So that's that's really the biggest reason why our salary budget went up by less than 1% last year going into this year. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen going into next year, because like I said, a lot of these things are already accounted for, and we really didn't have too many retirements. So we are going to see an increase in our salary budget going into 24-25. Um, we had uh, some of the savings also from transportation salaries and contractor costs were the bus driver shortage. So we did have um, a bus driver shortage and our contractor also had a bus driver shortage. So that definitely impacted services um, to our taxpayers, to our community. Um, we are actually hiring a few bus drivers. Uh, we hired, I believe it was one, we're, we're hiring one during this meeting. We hired one the last meeting of the meeting before that. And we actually might have another hire going forward. So that would be really great if we could um, increase our services and maybe take some of our routes back from the contractor. Uh, special education tuition, there were some changes in student placements during the year. So there was about 200000 that we saved on the expenditure side just from um, students originally planning to go out of district and they went somewhere else or they stayed within district. Um, New York State Employee Retirement System. So this was definitely a one-time savings. Um, we looked, we actually like did a deep dive into this number and because we couldn't understand why our um, ERS expense was so much lower just for one year. Um, when you look at our prior year expense in 21-22, our ERS expense was $579,344. And our projected expense going into uh, the current the current year projected expense is $559,619. But for some reason, for 22-23, our actual ERS expense was $401,300, which was a huge shift from the $593,000 that we budgeted. So when we did our deeper dive into it, we found that there were actually a lot of staffing level changes. Um, we had some staff who were, and when I said the employee retirement system, this is the non-instructional staff. This is a retirement system for non-instructional staff. 
And we did have some staff that retired that were making um, a higher salary, substituted with some employees with a lower salary. We did have some shifts in tiers, and um, and the the rate for ERS actually that one year did did decline. So um, the rate we were paying for 21-22 was 16.2% salaries, and the rate we actually paid for 22-23 was 11.6%. So that was really a one-time um, savings we got from, from ERS. I know I went through that very quickly. <laughs> if anyone has any questions, of course, you can contact me and we can go through it more in depth. And did you have, I mean, they were the positive ones, I assume on the negative side, like healthcare was a big surprise. So, well, I think like going into next year, like when we start talking, our next meeting is January 22nd and we're gonna talk about salaries and benefits next year. So you're definitely gonna see a higher increase um, than 1% in salaries going into next year. And I can tell you right now, our health insurance went up again by 10% just for a family. And uh, our family health insurance uh, cost is now over $40,000. And this was just a couple of years ago, it was like 28,000. I mean, it, the increase is, is incredible. Our Medicare rates went up um, almost 23% um, in some cases. So I don't know what's going on, but uh, we're definitely gonna see an increase in those in those two areas. Uh, and we'll go through those in, you know, in January. But having these additional revenue sources will definitely help to offset and Jennifer, those costs come from those are those are all state regulated. Costs. Yeah, There's so nothing we can do locally. Our health insurance costs are regulated by the state. Yeah. Um, the only thing we can do is during the negotiations, of course, we mm -hmm. could ask our employees to contribute more. Mm -hmm. um, but that's always hard, also, you know, yeah. especially when you're talking about a forty thousand dollars premium. Yeah. Um, so we definitely are going to look into, you know, if if there's some options out there. Uh, I've been. They've been uh, kicking around some options for retirees. Mm -hmm. um, there may be some savings related to the Medicare portion that we have to pay. So we're kicking around some ideas right now. Um, so this is a detail of all of our reserves and how they've increased. Um, you can see our balance at June 30, 2022. And then in the next column, you'll see the interest earned on each reserve and the change in, in, in encumbrances. So when we closed our books in June 30th, 2022, we actually had $1,281,000 in fund balance set aside for encumbrances. And then when we closed the books in June 30th, 2023, we only needed 532,000 uh, set aside for encumbrances. <laughs> So when you go down, what we were able to do with the surplus was increase our two most important reserves. And the two most important reserves right now are our facilities capital reserve and our technology and security capital reserve, because those are really the cap the reserves that we're going to be able to use for any future capital projects. And those are going to offset any borrowing that we need to do and really save us money going forward. Um, all of the other reserves that we were able to add to was the retirement contribution reserve for ERS and also the TRS um, retirement contribution reserve. And our insurance reserve, we were able to increase slightly, like $33,000. Um, our appropriated fund balance, as I said earlier, uh, Going into the 22-23 uh, school year, we had appropriated $414,000 worth of appropriated fund, appropriated fund balance. But going into this year's budget, we actually appropriated $674,000 with a lot of that money earmarked for all of the uh, flooring and bathroom replacements that we did over the summer. Jennifer, could you, could you just, because acronyms sometimes are not familiar to everybody, could you just explain the difference between the two reserves for retirement contribution, ERS and TRS? Yep. So the ERS reserve is for all is the retirement system for all of our non-instructional staff. Mm -hmm. And the TRS reserve is for the retirement system for the instructional staff. So all of our teachers, TAs, administrators um, are in TRS and all of our operations, lunch, bus drivers, custodial, uh, clerical, they're all in ERS. So the, the TRS goes up 28% and the and the ERS 18%. Is that just done off of a, a modeling of what you expect for retirements? Part of the increase to both of the reserves were we're re we were restricted on how much we could put into the reserve. Ah. So right now, um, when I go into the later slides, we have a slide dedicated just for ERS and TRS. We would like to put more money in our TRS reserve because our TRS cost is um, 
it's way, it's four times higher than our ERS cost. But they actually put a cap on it um, that we're only allowed to contribute up to a certain amount of salaries that was spent for the prior year. So we're not even allowed to have more than a 1%, uh, I mean, a one year balance in reserve and TRS. So, and we'll go into that in a little more detail later on. Thanks. So we're going to talk about each reserve now a little bit in detail, and um, some of them will talk a little bit more about uh, the ones that we actually increased. Some of the other ones, we only added interest to them, so we won't spend as much time on them. Yeah. So the unemployment reserve right now, we have set aside to pay for unemployment costs. Um, right now, our actual balance at June 30th, 2023 was $301,000, and that included the interest that was earned during the year. Um, this was, you could see, our actual unemployment expenses going back to 1920. So 1920 and 2021, our unemployment costs were higher due to COVID. So we did have uh, 46, 000, roughly 46000 one year, 56000 the next year. Um, during COVID, we were required to pay all of our full-time staff, but there were some hourly staff and part-time staff that were actually eligible for unemployment that um, we had to actually uh, reimburse them, uh, reimburse the state for those costs. So based on our historical and actual expenditures, I would say that our unemployment reserve balance is adequate. And um, at the end of the year, we don't really need to add anything to it. And we could just, you know, let it sit until we have a spike in unemployment costs. And this is our insurance reserve. Um, our insurance reserve, we increased it by $33,000. Um, the reserve is to fund certain uninsured losses or claims or judgments, um, really any kind of settlements and professional service fees that we would have to pay that weren't already covered under insurance. Um, this, ins this reserve came in handy for many districts this year. Um, I don't know if anyone's been reading the paper, but uh, there was a lot of talk about the Child Victims Act. And, um, you know, there were a lot of school districts that, got, that were hit with a lot of lawsuits. And this was the reserve that they tapped into. So we had um, some school districts with a very similar demographic than us. And uh, they actually had their voters liquidate all of their reserves to go ahead and pay for um, settlements in, in these lawsuits. And then you had other school districts who didn't have reserves and they actually had to borrow to pay for the cost of some of these lawsuits. So, so this reserve right now, um, we have $1.6 million in this reserve. Um, I would say it's adequately funded, but we just never know what could happen in the future. Um, I think we did, if all of our other reserves were fully funded, if all of our capital reserves were fully funded, I would say that we would may want to look into adding more money to this reserve, just because it is flexible in that way that we could use the money um, for any uninsured losses moving forward. And then we have our workers' compensation reserve, and this is... We're self-insured really for our workers' compensation costs. And um, we are part of a consortium just to save money on our um, excess workers' compensation insurance policy and also our administrative fees. So we all share in those fees, but all of our own claims belong to each school district. So our so this reserve was uh, created in 2012. The funding level approved by the board was $1.5 million. Um, Right now, the reserve is fully funded, and the balance is definitely adequate. Um, we have not been hit with any huge workers' compensation losses uh, in the past two years. We, uh, If you look at our financial statement, you'll see that our uh, workers' compensation liability uh, for incurred but unpaid claims uh, was $360,258. So based on historical actual expenses, the current balance seems reasonable to cover any future workers' compensation costs, unless the district, of course, experienced a catastrophic event. Jennifer, is that the, um, since I'm new to this, is, that, is it the typical um, approach to be self-insured in workers' comp? Well, it definitely works for us because mm -hmm. we're part of the consortium with all the other East End districts. Mm -hmm. And um, we do, we are saving money, of course, because we're not, we're pooling together our funds for all the administrative uh, work that goes into the, uh, approving the claims and reviewing the claims. And then getting that insurance, that excess insurance is very expensive. Mm -hmm. 
So by pooling all of our resources, we're able to get the best rate on that excess workers' compensation um, I believe there are about a 12 of us who have pooled together. So it's critical. We'll get back to you on the yeah, exact number. Thank you. We have our repair reserve. We really use our repair reserve a lot. <laughs> and um, we it was created in 2015. Um, the funding level approved by the voters was 2.5 million, actually approved, yeah, approved by the voters was $2.5 million. Um, we can use this reserve not for any capital improvements that we would borrow money to pay for, but we could use this for repairs that don't recur annually. Um, we do not need voter approval to use this money. We only need to have a public hearing to go ahead and uh, appropriate from this reserve. And um, we can use this in an emergency also. So if something happens, uh, pipe breaks, if we really need to get something fixed immediately and we don't have the money for it in the budget, we could tap into this reserve. We would just have to pay the money back within like the next two years. So it is a really great reserve to have. Um, this is just showing you how we've tapped into this reserve. And we've used this reserve for boiler repairs, uh, site work repairs, the masonry project. Um, we use this reserve for the middle school roof project. Um, right now, the balance in the reserve is a little under a million dollars, $942,313. We cannot add any more funds to this reserve. As I said, it was fully funded and funds cannot be replenished even if they're spent. So, I don't know if everybody remembers. Oh, and that's really hard to see. But um, back in June 26, uh, we had a draft long-range plan that we presented to the board. And as part of the plan, we were hoping to use $110,370 worth of repair reserve funds um, to do a lot of painting and patching and um, you know glazing removal in the classrooms and the, and the hallways and in both of the buildings. So we still would love to move forward with this project. And um, this project was identified in our annual visual inspections performed by our architect. And right now we are uh, trying to get quotes from, from contractors to see how much we can get done. And once we have everything put together, we'll present it to the board and uh, you can decide whether or not you'd want to move forward with the project. And we would have to have a public hearing um, just right before we appropriated those funds. But right now, um, in the plan in June, we talked about it and we talked about it costing about $110,370 to get all of that done district-wide. Okay, and then this is the retirement contribution reserve. So we have a reserve and then we have a sub fund. So the reserve is actually set up for the non-instructional staff for the ERS and then the teacher's retirement contribution sub fund was created later on. So um, both reserves work in the same manner. We can basically use the money anytime uh, during, the, you know, during the budget process, you can appropriate funds from the reserve to pay for your annual expense. So for this year, we actually did appropriate $500,000 from the retirement contribution reserve to pay for our non-instructional uh, retirement costs for this year. And going into next year, we definitely can do the same thing. So um, right now there's no minimum, there's no maximum funding level for the ERS reserve, but there is a maximum funding level for the TRS reserve. Um, every year we can only add uh, 2% of the total compensation of salaries for all the teachers employed by the districts who are members of TRS paid during the preceding fiscal year. And the sub fund cannot exceed 10% of the total compensation of salaries of all the instructional staff. So 10% of all of our instructional staff salaries is about $1.9 million. Um, right now in our TRS sub fund, we have $1.8 million. So at the end of this year, if there is surplus after we add to our capital reserves, we would probably want to increase that um, sub fund just because it still doesn't cover one year's worth of expense. So our 22-23 TRS expense was $1,979,301. So um, it would be good to at least have one year set aside of TRS expense in the TRS sub fund. Um, as I said, the ERS reserve fund is definitely adequately funded. And we did tap into it this year by lowering it by $500,000. So our balance at June 30th, 2024 would be 5,662,585.
um, going into the 24-25 school year. Right now, um, our our expense is uh, is projected to be a little over 550,000. So I would say that we could appropriate the 550,000 from the ERS reserve going into the 24-25 school year. <clears throat> and then we have our employee benefit accrued liability reserve, which we really do not have to use um, too much just because this is this is really used for the cash payment of um, accumulated sick leave for some of our retirees. Some, some of our retirees are eligible to get um, a payment for sick leave that they've accumulated during their career. And we could tap into this reserve to pay for that. Um, right now, the reserve is not completely fully funded. Um, if you look at our liability on the book, the district's liability for compensated absences of June 30th was $479,650. Um, and right now we have $449,692. So it's really close. Um, we're really adequately funded in this reserve. Mm -hmm. And I would say that we really don't need to add anything else to it at the end of the year if there is any additional surplus left. The, the, Jennifer, the 479 is assuming everyone entitled takes it? So the 479 assumes if everyone retired at June 30th, yeah. 2023, how much would we owe? The entire population. Yes, because <laughs> not everyone is eligible for it. And this is one of the things that the external auditors actually mentioned um, when they were here. They had mentioned that this was like one of the reserves that they felt, you know, if we did want to add to, we could. Um, and then our facilities capital reserve, which, like I said, this to me and, you know, a, even the external auditors had had spoken about how important this reserve is, and um, and this is really the reserve that we can use for any kind of projects that we have um, planned for the future. Um, we did try to use these funds for the Marsden project, but unfortunately that was voted down. But right now, um, at June 30th, 2023, our actual balance in the reserve is a little under $5 million. And um, we're hoping that if we do have any surplus funds um, at the end of the year, that this would really be the first reserve that we would add to. So um, if we don't earmark those funds for anything else going into next year, we would want to increase this reserve, especially with borrowing costs being so high as they are right now. Um, technology and security capital reserve. This is a new reserve that the voters actually approved last year, uh, last May. And we are hopefully going to be able to add to this reserve if we can at the end of the year. And right now, uh, our balance is $1 million. And if we do have surplus funds, we would want to add it to this because this can be used to pay for any capital projects related to technology and security um, and any kind of backup energy sources related to those, those projects and incidental costs. So it's really um, a great reserve to have. And then we have our transportation fleet capital reserve. So this reserve we've had for quite a while. So it was created in 2017. Um, we, the reserve is fully funded and we've tapped into the reserve numerous times. So the, um, the amount of reserve was supposed to be, was not to exceed $2 million. And um, we've actually used this reserve several times to purchase buses. Um, the reserve is set aside to finance in whole or in part the purchase of, um, to, to purchase or replace any of said harvest fleet of buses. And, um, but expenditures from the reserve must be authorized by district voters. So um, you can see right now at June 30th, 2023, our balance in the reserve is 1,719,635. Going into the May budget season, we would like to ask voters to approve the purchase of four new buses. So those four new buses would roughly cost around $509,000. And that would bring the balance down to 1.2 million at the end of June 30th, 2024. Um, if you look at our current fleet, you can see that our current fleet is very, I mean, more than half of our fleet is really attitude for life. Um, but our bus drivers do a really great job maintaining our fleet. Um, you can see we have 20 buses. We have one as a spare. Um, that is the oldest bus, which is 15 years old. We really we really should have more than one spare um, set aside. We also have some buses with over 200,000 uh, miles on it. 
And um, and you can see that half of our fleet is is really um, attitudes for life. So depending on the type of school bus routes traveled, you know, and, and if you Google and do some research, it'll you'll find that the average lifespan of a school bus is reported to be as low as eight years and tied to 15 years. So um, I have this little box on the side there just showing everyone that not only do our bus drivers maintain the bus on a daily basis, but we have a contract with Southampton School District. And Southampton School District, um, their mechanics also maintain our buses. And they do a fabulous job. So I just wanted um, everyone to know that the DOT comes and inspects our buses every year. And um, for the past five years, we've had 100% uh, DOT passing rate, which is unbelievable. Um, New York State established a goal of 90% as the passing rate for all programs, and the district exceeds this goal uh, every year. And that really is partly uh, due to uh, the great work that Southampton Mechanics do for us. But we, but just to, just to show everybody that you know all of our buses are being used, all of our buses are really taken care of. But unfortunately, we're at that time now where we really do need to replace some of the buses and we really do need to have some more spare buses. So um, this is just showing you what we received from the DOT and the passing rate uh, for the last one. So I have this up here because I know a lot of people are going to, the next question is, well, New York State wants us to move to electric school buses. So why are we purchasing, you know, gas diesel buses now when we have to convert to electric school buses? But um, we really don't have to convert until 2035. So, you know, and that is a ways from now. Um, you're talking 11, 12 years from now. So any bus we purchase uh, this year is really going to be uh, used for a useful life. And in reality, we think that even that 2035 date is probably going to be extended just because of all the problems, um, you know, districts are facing with even trying to think about converting uh, to electric buses. But by 2027, all school bus purchases must be electric. So we really do have to start planning and um, thinking about how we're going to make that conversion. Because right now, the legislation is, is not going away. Um, they actually added a new reporting requirement for us for the 24-25 school year. We are now required to annually submit to SED a progress report on the implementation of our zero emission school buses. So we every year now they want to make sure that we're actually thinking about it, we're planning for it, and we um, aren't just letting it fall by the wayside. But uh, I think that if we were able to purchase these four buses in May, like I said, they would be able to, uh, we would have them for, you know, probably a good 12 years at least, because I, I know that deadline will be extended eventually. And um, they, we will have the buses for the full useful life of them. Um, this is what the proposed language would be um, on May 21st, which is the budget vote. And um, we would ask the voters if the board approved to go out and uh, allow us to use the Transportation Fleet Capital Reserve to purchase the buses. And of course, by having the reserve and um, accessing it, the purchase of the buses would not have any impact on the budget or the tax levy for 24-25. And that's for regular buses. Regular buses. So yeah. we, we would be buying two 30-passenger buses and two 66-passenger buses. Would we need that if it wasn't for this law? Yeah. We definitely need yeah. it just because if you look at our buses right now, they're really old. Yeah, <laughs> even, though they're being, miles. even though they're being maintained really well, we just don't want to go through a year and have like four or five buses break down. And and like right now we're very we're short on a short on a small bus. Um we actually have an out-of-district route that we're covering with one of our large buses because we just don't have another small bus available, which is a little bit a little bit wasteful when it we comes need, to the gas. We need all four. We need four. Yes, we really do. I mean, when you look at, I mean, if you look at this, <laughs> we really do. We're at 12 years on half our fleet is like what, over 12 years old. What would you, so just so I understand, I'm actually fine with, I, I didn't like when we were every year asking voters to approve a single bus. I was, it sounded. Yeah, we haven't had voters so for the past two years. That wasn't like, I just thought that was weird to me. Like every year we need another bus. So I like the fact that it's like, okay, let's look, let's plan. We need four. We need four. I'm fine with that. I wanted to know though, so is the idea that you would retire three of the, like, what's the plan with 
Well, right now we're definitely short one bus. So we're going to definitely, one bus definitely has to be used. And then the other plan, we definitely would have to get rid of that spare bus because the spare bus is really not, um, it's really not functioning that well. And then we're looking at those other two buses, the 30 passenger, 30 passenger, the two Chevys that have over 200,000 miles on them. Um, those are two buses that really need to be replaced. Um, but of course, we're not, if we could still use them, we are going to still use as many of the buses as possible. We could still use all those buses. Like I said, we're increasing services a little bit this year because we did hire some new bus drivers. So we may be using them more for sports. We may be using them for other kind of, you know, instead of like everyday routes, we could use them for more of a, like a one-shot type of type of route. So the idea yeah. is we'd get rid of one. We definitely are going to get rid of one if we don't have any more breakdown yeah, and, have, and have and have three spares. Basically, yeah, we would we would have spare, but I'm not, but I'm not really calling them spares mm -hmm. because they're going to be used. Like this year, we had to cut services because we really did have a shortage of bus drivers. But we're high; we just hired like three new bus drivers, so we're going to be able to actually use those buses. We're going to be able to actually take back a route from Montauk and use those buses. So they're not really going to be spares. You know, they're really going to be used <laughs> or you're keeping the old one for spares itself yeah we're definitely not going to get rid of anything that still runs that's for sure can you at some point just so that because obviously this is very preliminary we're not doing this is a review of of last year not the next but i'm guessing it, as part of the budget process when we get to this it would be great to just have a slide that shows like what the actual plan is like because i think it's really important to say like this will cut down on a montauk route right because then that that will save oh, us yeah, money. Definitely, like, just kind definitely. of, you know, that's the bigger factor in the context, route. right? Yeah. Because I mean, that route actually pays for one bus. bus. So um, our 30 passenger bus is roughly 90,000. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that one route really just pays for that one bus. Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely will dive deeper into this when we do our transportation presentation and we talk about um, our transfers. So, so this is the recommendation this year, and the recommendations are to appropriate funds from the ERS Retirement Contribution Reserve to cover the cost of ERS Retirement Contribution expenses for the next year. So I said that would be roughly about $550,000. Um, we would hopefully like to place the proposition on the ballot to ask voters to approve the purchase of four buses from the Fleet Capital Reserve. If surplus funds are available at the end of the school year, we would like to deposit them into the capital reserve fund first, and then the TRS reserve fund, and maybe some smaller amount into the insurance reserve fund, uh, respectively, in that order. Um, we are, so we did the presentation tonight. Um, if you would like us to change anything in the plan, or you, you would let me know. And then what I'm gonna do is at the next meeting, January 22nd, we have a resolution on the agenda for the board to approve the plan. So if the plan needs to be changed in any way, I could go through it, any revisions that night, and then you can go ahead and just re re, you know, approve the plan. And then that's what the auditors like to see, that the plan was presented and approved. <laughs> um, I have one question on the insurance reserve. Mm -hmm. So I understand, I think the thing was, you said it was 1.9 million that we have. Or I think it was 1.6. Sure. So that's yeah, one million six oh eight. So that's for stuff that would be uninsured. Yes. So, so how often do we get our actual insurance um, premiums and coverage audited? Is that by auditors or is that by nicer or by you? Like, I guess how do, how do we kick the tires on that to make sure we are actually out? We do an insurance renewal every year with nicer. So nicer um, insures really mostly everything, our liability, all of our assets, everything's insured, but we have deductible. So in the past, we've actually used this insurance reserve for deductibles. We've used it for um, deductibles on uh, bus services. I think there was like an elevator repair that we used it for a deductible. Um, we have a pipe that breaks and damages something. They don't usually pay 100% of the cost. So we've been using it for deductibles. But the reason why I mentioned something like the whole child victims thing was because you just never know. Right. I mean, all of those districts never thought that they would have to ever address those claims. And those claims were, unfortunately, a lot of them were not insured at all because the insurance companies were out of business when those claims mm -hmm. occurred decades ago. So they all had to tap into this reserve. So the reserve is very flexible too. Um, you can pay uh, your legal fees from the reserve. So a lot of these districts had hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. 
that they were able to pay at about a the actual show. insurance coverage uh, that's what i'm more asking about i guess is every year when we meet with nicer yeah do they mm -hmm. give us recommendations on more like less insurance here more there are there they tell us maybe now you need to get a different type of insurance on here like i just want to understand how how do we actually yeah every year find out we are actually um we're fully insured pretty much on everything and they if they made a suggestion that we needed more coverage more insurance on something of course we would take them up on that and uh we would so i mean all of our school sponsored events are insured um the only thing that we pop that we are looking into getting additional coverage for is our cyber. And what happened was, is that because there's so many cybersecurity claims right now, the insurance rates for those are very, very, very high. And um, there's a lot of requirements that you have to meet in order to get that insurance. And part of that requirement is dual factor author um, authentication. And we're, that's where we're like moving towards. And um, once we can meet the criteria, that really is the one insurance that we really do need to um, increase and, and purchase. We actually did tap into the reserve for when we had the cyber event too, to pay that deductible. So it is, it is a flexible reserve. So now, if anyone has yeah. any other questions? Does anyone can... have any questions on the presentation? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I know Ron is online. Ron, do you have any questions? Uh, no, the only comment I had is on this on this bus thing was maybe you think it would be a possibility that we maybe we purchase one electric bus to give it a a run no. to test it beforehand. I, I know there's all kinds of complications behind that, but I was just, that was my only comment on all that yeah. was maybe we try one out and get get the bugs worked out before we. We definitely could look into that. Um, not yeah. maybe for this budget season, but going forward. They're also not making them. That's, you know, it's it, it's great that the state is saying that we have to be there by X amount of years. But the reality is, is they're only making like 12 a year or something crazy like that last year during the facilities committee meetings. So, right. <laughs> you know, we can get on a list to possibly get one, but there's no way we're going to be able to convert all to it because they're just they're not available for us to purchase. There is a long waiting list. Yeah. We would have to um, get a charging station, yeah. and we also and also the cost of the buses right now are three to four times the price. And right. the reality is, you can take a uh, a regular bus and convert, and convert it to it. electric for half yeah, the cost of buying an electric. Mm -hmm. Maybe so, maybe we take the. I will tell you that's the caveats. Yeah, so. maybe we take a decommissioned bus over to Bozies or someplace and let them convert it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when we get to the transportation, that's going to be a long, hard look at, at that. Um, that whole uh, getting to where we need to go with that. But good point. Okay. Anyone else have any questions? Okay. So uh, we're going to go through the budget calendar now. Budget, budget be, development calendar. That should be pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And we are going to have a budget presentation at every meeting now moving forward. <laughs> um, starting with the next meeting on January 22nd, uh, we are going to go through salaries, employee benefits. We'll go through the Board of Education budget, Central Administration's budget, and security. Um, February 12th, we're going to go through all of our revenue projections, our preliminary revenue projections for next year, uh, talk about what our tax levy limit is. We're going to dive deeper into transportation and um, the need to purchase buses. Uh, we're also going to go through the facilities budget that night, uh, talk about debt service, which isn't changing. Our debt service is really remaining stable and uh, transfers to other funds. So that is the night that we'll talk about the uh, reduction that we're going to make um, to the school lunch fund. Um, going into next year. Mm -hmm. uh, March 4th, we'll go ahead and we're going to um, still work on our revenue projections. We're going to still be fine-tuning our tax levy limit calculation. And then we're also going to go into the uh, Sag Harbor Learning Center budgets and talk about the elementary school budget. On March 18th, we're also going to be um, reviewing the middle high school budget um, and the athletic budget and talk about the tax levy impact. Um, the projection can be based on the current year's assessed values, of course, and if um, nothing changes to equalization rates um, moving forward. Uh, April 8th, we're going to touch upon revenue projections again uh, for the last time. 
uh, we'll review our technology budget and our pupil personnel services budget or special ed budget and our BOCES budget. So uh, in years past, we've actually talked, uh, had our technology budget review earlier in the uh, process, but because we now purchase most of our technology software and products through BOCES, we felt the need to um, add that to the BOCES presentation. And, but we're also gonna talk a little bit that night on how our, uh, our expenditures have increased significantly because of all cybersecurity um, issues that we've been facing. Uh, April 16th will be the adoption of the school budget and the Eastern Suffolk BOCES uh, budget vote will occur that night. And we're also gonna adopt the property tax report card on April 16th. May 13th, we're gonna have our budget hearing. And on May 21st is the annual meeting and the statewide budget vote and election. Um, on the, you said February 12th is when we talk about the lunch program? When we talk about transfers to other funds, we're just gonna talk about how we're reducing that transfer um, going into next year. Okay. Um just because I'm I'm thinking about it in connection with our, our meeting where we talked about yes, the, the presentation and we said that we kind of want an update about that, how like the data from that, like three months later. So I think yeah. it's only be two months later. And I just, too soon. it might, so maybe we can move that one to later in the budget season yeah, and, then and have it accompany that data so we can actually talk about mm -hmm. what we actually want to do. I think the, tra well, the transfers to other funds are um, related to we transfer money to the debt service fund. We transfer money to the lunch fund. We transfer money to the special aid fund for the um, special aid. So when I said that we would talk about, um, it we're only going to talk about the reduction in the in the lunch fund uh, transfer. We're not going to go into any detail on the lunch program. Right, but that reduction is due to us getting money from the federal government, yeah, right? So but we're going to make we, sure. But if going forward right. we decide to opt out, right, mm -hmm. then we don't actually want to be planning for that reduction going forward, correct? Well, like Jordan so, suggested, yeah. shouldn't we do So just move, maybe together? we move that one a month later and we accompany it with data on that, um, how I that program is going? So I, yeah, it's a little, it is a little early though for the data, but I think that we will try and and, and get that to you. So or you want to move to- To move that yes, meeting so like it's March. not early. Yeah. I just March want, 18th. I just think that we need to have, a, I don't think we can, adopt or approve or discuss a reduction, a reduction based on going know that's the program yeah. we're going to stick with. like even though we've yeah. gotten that money so far if we're going to opt out if we're going to decide okay that's this mm -hmm. year but we might opt out next year right we need to then have that data to make that informed yes. decision that's fine okay. i think that um would you want to add it to the march 18th um whenever you think that you're going to have that data i think is when we can um, probably agree okay so i think it might be, yeah, all right. So why don't, I guess we can shoot for March 18th. Um, if worse comes to worse, really, we would we would just push it off to April 8th. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll I just, I just give you enough time, yeah. actually. I just don't want us to have a conversation in February where we're asking for answers that you don't have yet. Yeah, and yeah. it's not productive. Agreed. Okay. So we'll just we'll make that change and then we'll post we'll post the change. Great. All righty. Great. All right. If there's no more questions on the budget presentation or calendar, um, we are going to move to committee reports. Do we have a committee report on diversity and inclusion this evening? No? Okay, it was on my calendar. Okay, all right. Um, and we have no items for discussion. And there's no public here for public input too. So may I have a motion to close the meeting? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Nice. Thank you, everyone. What was the calendar committee? <laughs> To view the video recording of this meeting and any presentations referenced, visit sagharborschools.org.